Hello and welcome to another episode of How We Work. I'm Iso, your host and creator of this here of this here podcast. Today we have an episode with someone who I've known for a super long time, Rachel Glick. She was one of the first people I met in San Francisco. She moved down to Mexico and I reached out to her recently just to see what was going on with her. I've heard about what she's been doing over the years. She wrote a cookbook. So she's had a big adventure. Started a restaurant, got married down there, really made it happen for herself. I was really interested in talking to her just about her experience making all that happen in Mexico. So I hope you enjoyed the episode. It was a really good talk. And thank you so much for listening. I'm really grateful for everyone who takes the time to check these episodes out. And I hope you get as much from the conversation as I did. Thanks so much. Hello, Rachel. How are you doing? Hello, hello. Quite well, thanks. <laughs> Welcome to my podcast, How We Work. So to start off with, can you just tell me a bit about yourself? I, we've known each other for a long time, but as if, as if I didn't know you. Yeah, like what have you been up to? Uh, <laughs> there's a lot broad. of those questions. Uh, yeah, a little bit about me. Well, um, you know, born and raised in good old Midwest and got out as soon as I could. Did my duty, went to university, bounced around lots of places because I couldn't stop myself from traveling. So I just worked nomadically everywhere for, well, a lot of places for quite a while and then landed in Mexico one day and got stuck there. And I'm currently unstucking myself from Mexico and have moved to the Highlands of Scotland in brief. Wow, that was that was very brief. Yeah, <laughs> I can go into more detail. No, totally. No, it's a good it's a good opener, though, right? Yeah, I mean, so me and you, we met like we met when I basically just moved to SF. I had been there like oh maybe two weeks when you That's showed crazy. up. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. we yeah, were both yeah. freshies. Yeah, totally. So it's definitely like the beginning of my SF journey, and it seemed like when you were there, it's like you were really trying to find your your thing in a way like the the place you wanted to be or the thing you wanted to do. And it seems like you found a lot of that down in Mexico, huh? Yeah, I did for a while. And then uh, it's just not my place anymore. So, you know, we have we have places and we have things and they're sometimes they're just right for a while and then they're not. And then it's time to change. So, yeah, yeah, it's a good way to look at it. Yeah. Does it make you sad to, that it's not your place anymore? No, not at all. I think I, having lived so long, as I say, nomadically, I mean, I, I love to travel so much, but didn't have money. So I would go somewhere, I'd get a job often in hospitality, I'd work for a while, get to know the place, the people, and then I'd leave and go somewhere else and do the same thing again. And I think that that has made me very able to just kind of let things go and jump into the next thing. Yeah. So I haven't, I have a lot of practice at uh, just deep, Attaching myself, I guess, and you know, putting myself into the next thing. Starting from zero again somewhere else, it's like really exciting, right? But like also, what am I going to do? No, 100%. I mean, like, you asked me if I was sad about it. I'm not sad about it, but fear, yeah, I've had, especially in the lead up to this move, lots of fear, lots of worry. And it's really interesting because it's not something I had experienced much before in all my moves because previously it was just myself. And I didn't really have anything to lose. And now it's myself and my five-year-old daughter, you know. Well, tell me about your time in Mexico. 
that we glossed over. Um, and then we can talk, <laughs> and then we can talk about <laughs> We just glossed over oh, yeah, like 10 years there, but uh, now we're, we're doing something else. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you can see I'm just excited about the something else. Yeah, I went to Mexico because, as I said, I bounce around a lot, and I'd, I'd always wanted to go to Mexico, and and it just felt like the right time. And it was 2012, and I had found a work exchange at a dive shop in Zihuatanejo because I wanted to get my dive masters. And I was like, all right, I'll just start with that. So I went and I worked in this guy's dive shop for six weeks in exchange. He did my training for my dive masters. And in my second week in Mexico, I met the man who shortly after became my husband and then father to my daughter. And then we, we ended up in Oaxaca and met a family of mezcaleros. And this family saw that Noel knew a lot about mezcal. And so they're like, here, take, take 10 liters and maybe you can sell it in Baja. So I took it up there, drank half of it, and then sold a couple bottles and then started doing mezcal tastings just by word of mouth, like privately. And then we're like, oh, alcohol makes money. Maybe we should do this. So we started, yeah, eventually like a year or two years later. Well, in 2016, we opened a mezcal bar with a bit of food. Yeah, just kind of like, let's see what happens. And it was a success like right out the gate. And I mean, we, we opened with like $3,000, rented the cheapest place, like put sand down in the front lawn, little Costco patio lights up, rickety chairs and tables. The sous chef was like living in the storage room. We had this woman I'd known from Maine, this like 75-year-old woman come down and she rented a room in this old house, which was now our restaurant. And she paid her rent to us in pies. She would make pies and we would sell them at the restaurant. And so after opening, this literary agent who knew my work because I'd submitted a manuscript for a memoir I'd written, um, which she liked but ultimately didn't take on. And she came in to eat with her fiance and she was just like, you guys need to write a cookbook. Like with all these stories of mezcaleros and cooks and you know, the indigenous Mexican culture. And she's like, I'll represent you. So I was like, okay, wow. Yeah. Done. Dream. So then we, we did a cookbook and, you know, started building a mezcal brand and it just, yeah, like it went really well. It was really successful. I learned a lot about just being an entrepreneur building things up from scratch, not knowing how to do stuff and just figuring it out, marketing, you know, writing. Like I published my first book, which was amazing. That's a cool journey. That's very cool. I mean, it's, it's, (laughs) it's funny, like how long we've known each other, but we haven't talked in so long. That's really the first I've, you know, obviously I knew about your restaurant and your book I have and the Mezcal brand, but the, the kind of how it all happened is a good story. Yeah. I mean, do you think like, do you think that could have happened in the U.S.? Like, that um, you could have started that in the U.S.? I mean, there's a lot more regulations in the U.S. So we would have needed more money, more loans. So in that sense, no. In Mexico, you have rules, but it's like also kind of you start it and then somebody and then you're like, oh, oh, I have to fulfill this requirement. OK, da, 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 and you throw it together. And you're like, oh, oh OK, I have to do that, too. Da, 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 you throw it together. I mean. You know, lots of people come into knowing everything and having everything ready, but we are, we're not those people. So we just kind of like figured it out as we went along. Yeah. And I don't think you could do that in the U.S. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of why I asked in a way is like, yeah, to build anything here, I mean, the regulations are so strict and they're basically like in food, especially they're set up for, you know, huge corporations 
Mm. And so it'll cost like, you know, cost like a million dollars to build out a restaurant. Jeez. Right. Well, talk a little bit about too about Toro Santos, how what it was like when you got there and how you feel about it now. Yeah, Toto Santos is like it's it's the happening place right now. When we got there, so the first, I mean, it's it's like very much it's a fisherman's town and rancheros, so like farmers and fishermen, and it'd been isolated for a really long time. I mean, it's a peninsula, and even up until I can't remember twenty years ago, maybe there was not even a paved road between Cabo and Toto Santos. So Toto Santos got on the New York Times top places to travel to in twenty seventeen. And then it was just like, boom, you know, all these people started coming down and, you know, a lot of kind of digital nomads, a lot of people with young kids looking for a different kind of pace of life. And in that, it's great. It's super chill. You know, if you're into surfing or horseback riding or just being on the beach and you don't like rain, it's great. (laughs) And yeah, so in a lot of ways, it is a it's a great place to raise a family. It's a great place to like start a business now, especially because it really is blowing up. Like there's a lot of entrepreneurs from Mexico City and Guadalajara, the US, some Europeans. So it's becoming very mixed. And but it it is like, you know, it is definitely, especially the last few years feels like it's it feels kind of like a suburb of San Francisco now mm-hmm. because there's lots of like, I don't know, like cool places to eat, which is nice. Like I can get a really good coffee and I can get a really good salad. And I like that. And I, but I, don't know, I went into this great natural wine bar and I walked in and I was like, oh my God, this could be in San Francisco. Like I, I just felt totally out of place. I'm like, I can't compete on this level as a restaurant. Like, I'm not, I don't want to, you know, and not that all the restaurants there have to be like that, but it is, it's just definitely shifting a lot. And it's, there's some exciting things about it because it's people coming in with ideas and because it is Mexico, like in a lot of ways it is easier to just start a new idea, but it's just not what I'm looking for. Yeah. Well, it's a good thing. It's good to have that self-knowledge, right? To make that move when it's important to you. Can you talk a little bit about the process of writing a cookbook? Like, just really, like, the nuts and bolts of it. Like, I think that it's something that a lot of people would love to do. Don't do it. How do you do it? You know, everyone (laughs) I know who's written a book says, like, don't do it. It's too hard. Yeah. (laughs) No. Actually, honestly, I wouldn't say that. Um, A cookbook. I never want to write a cookbook again unless I have absolutely nothing to do with the recipes. I, I wrote all the stories, and I loved that. That was amazing. I loved the whole process of it. The so that process for me was like, I mean, I had submitted a proposal, and then when I sat down to write it, it was cool because I I was putting my daughter into like nursery, so I had a few hours every day, and I'd go to a friend's house, and she had like a little second floor studio or whatever, and that's where I would do my writing, and so I had that dedicated time, and you know, I kind of had a skeleton of what it was going to look like, but then other things came up and it suddenly like took on. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's what has made how we've been, I mean, you know, we're not like big shots by any means, but we've been, I think quite successful and we've had like really amazing reviews because of that storytelling and because of that, like that's, Authenticity again. I don't like that word, but you no, know, it's because, hard. But is there another word? Right? <laughs> I, like, you know, I, know it's I like, need it's another like, word. I know. It's Actually, like we need a new one. Yeah. 
Yeah, I put for our Instagram, for the restaurant Instagram, I put deep roots Mexican cuisine or something because that's like mm. the best thing I come up with. But yeah, I mean, Noel is there and he's telling stories and like you just, you really feel the vibe coming through in in different forms. Yeah, well, I mean, it's like if if those ideas are so important to you that you base basically base the book that you write about the restaurant on them, that means that they're, yeah, I'm sure they're like core to kind of like the everyday that you're living too. And people can feel mm-hmm. that. Wait, wait, oh, yeah. wait. Hey, and what's the book called again? It's called The Native Mexican Kitchen, A Journey into Cuisine, Culture, and Mezcal. And where can people find it? Ideally through your local independent bookseller, but if you must, Amazon. Sure. Or our restaurant when it's open. <laughs> There's like kind of a philosophical component to the cookbook where I, I laid out five sections that talk about five different values that I found are really strong in indigenous communities where I've been that are I feel are not strong in uh, my culture. Uh, you want to talk about those a little bit? Yeah, so I think the first one is intuition. And let's see, humility, faith, community, and then what Noel dubbed happiness, which is a combination of gratitude and generosity. And those are things that have inspired me a lot and I've tried to learn a lot about in my time in Mexico. And I think I still have a lot of work to do to get to a place where I you know, feel like I'm really living those values. But they have affected me a lot and I think they're super important. And so the cookbook is like, these values actually are a big part of what makes up Mexican, indigenous Mexican culture, in my opinion, as an outsider. And that culture is what makes the food. It's just like you feel, especially once you start to hear the stories and everything behind it, you really just, you taste that in the mezcal, you know, you taste that energy in those stories and the culture. And mm-hmm. so I felt like it was really important to talk about that in the cookbook. Yeah, it's something I've I thought a lot about when I was doing my dinners, like the importance of the story, the story of the food, like that the story of the food is almost as important, if not more important than the food itself. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Like the recipe. And so the things I was doing were not traditional recipes. So there's a little bit of difference there, but having people to understand like where I got the stuff, where, you know, what I think about it, how I feel about it, how they can go out and do it and kind of, like painting that picture for people. I think that's why people read cookbooks, right? It's a form of travel in a way. Yeah, yeah, kind of transported to your life. Yeah. So I think that's really smart to yeah, focus on like what the food means to you and to the people around you. Yeah, and I think it's just like it brings us so much closer to what we eat. Human beings are all about storytelling and sharing and connecting, and this is how we connect. Do you feel like when you were kind of the creating the stories for your restaurant and for your book that you thought in those terms, or do you think it really was just you were telling the story you wanted to tell? I was telling the story I wanted to tell. And like, I, cause I mean, I've never studied marketing. I like all of this stuff. I've just kind of learned. And it's really only recently that I've gotten like, you know, intentionally focused on marketing. Cause now I'm, I'm doing copywriting actually. But before that it was like, right. Like, this is what excites me about mezcal and Mexican culture. And I felt that people were coming to Mexico in search of, you know, I hate the word authentic because it's so overused, especially with Mexican cuisine. But, you know, they were searching for authentic Mexican culture and cuisine. And 
it's not that easy to find, especially in Baja. You know, you get Cabo resorts and all of that. And so, and it's what excited me about it was, you know, these stories and this, this, the people and the culture and the, yeah. So it was just, I was literally just sharing that. And in a way that I felt like foreigners could connect with. And it worked. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, like more recently I'm studying and I think a lot of it, you know, I think it was intuitive, but yeah. Yeah. And now as I'm studying marketing more, I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. I will. That's why. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like, yeah. I mean, just put it in the context of the book that you're talking about. It's almost like you were the hero of the story you were telling, right? Like you were almost the target consumer in a way. Like you were the person mm-hmm. who wanted to go down there to, to have, a different kind of experience and live a different kind of life. So the stories that you told were the stories that other people wanted to hear too. Right. Um, right. I mean, that's the way I think I've always approached it is like, cause I think people can tie themselves up, up into knots, like trying to follow a marketing plan that they read about. But I've really found that like, just say what I actually think and say what I'm actually excited about. And the people who should come who, who like should be drawn towards that thing will be drawn towards it. Right. Yes. Totally. And the people who don't like it won't. And that's okay too. You know, and there's almost power right. in that too. Like being like, this is like, if you are this kind of person, this is for you. And if not, that's okay too. I mean, it, it's, it's worked well for Trump. So <laughs> totally. <laughs> well, but it's a, true. I mean, that's like, a curve. Well, it works well for everyone, right? Because like, because everyone wants to feel a part of something like they want to feel like they belong somewhere and that there's like a place for them. Right. And so, right. yeah, it's like a power and it can be used like for evil, you know, or it can be used for good, <laughs> but it's all about, yeah, it's all about like what you did. It's like making people feel comfortable in a space that, that then starts to feel like theirs, you know? Yeah. And and I think we have to be conscious about it too, though, because I think it could be easy to be like, run away with like, Ooh, this is working. This is successful. And then suddenly you start falling off into more of the kind of slimy marketing thing. But yeah, like when you're authentic and you're like just speaking what you're passionate about and, you know, speaking to like our deeper human natures, you know? I mean, that's, that's what I've always gotten excited about. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Yeah. I mean, I think people can really tell, right? Like we're, we're like marketed to so much mm-hmm. by so many brands and so many really smart people who are getting paid way more money than I'll ever make are being paid to make that, like to create that messaging. Right. But right. you can feel that it's not come, it's not true. Like no matter how, you know, no matter how fancy the marketing company is, like you just feel it. You're like, this is not like they're trying to make me believe something here instead of like talking about mm-hmm. what's really true to them. But then like this, right. that little like, but then the the flip side of that is like that teeny little gin brand, right? That's probably got like four people working for it or something like draws you in so completely because like it feels so true. You can just feel it. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're selling your restaurant. Yeah. Yeah, our restaurant is. Anyone listening wants to buy a restaurant in Todos Santos. It's a turnkey business in a up and coming town. Yeah, so it's yeah. I just you know I'm I'm now living in Scotland. So (laughs) yeah, it's Todos Santos again is amazing for a lot of people and so much potential there. There's loads of you know loads of hotels opening and restaurants and it's really growing. But still keeping so far, it's very cool vibe. 
And the restaurant is for sale along with the Mescaleto contacts and the branding work we've done so far. And, you know, Noel would be, could be negotiated with about staying on for transition and helping with Mescal contacts and all that. So, yeah. Turnkey business, Toto Santos. That's cool. How much ballpark are you selling it for? We're actually working with somebody right now to get a valuation of that. So I did the numbers based on how they evaluate restaurants in the U.S. And I came up with like $200,000. But I don't know what the this guy will come up with. So yeah, that's in the process still. That's pretty reasonable though. I think that's what's so great about your story. Actually, like specifically, like your whole story. It's like you didn't save up a hundred grand and then move down to Mexico because you wanted to open a restaurant and you invested it all in this restaurant concept that you've been thinking about for a long time. Mm-hmm. Like you went down there cause you wanted to be down there and then you were able to just kind of like be scrappy and make it work and then like build a real life, like successful life for yourself, you know? And I think right. it's a, it's a really great story. Yeah. Cause I think, yeah, people do always feel like, oh, well, like once I get this, then I'll do the thing I want to do. But like you, you know, you're going to be like 80 before you get to that place. And then you're not going to want to do anything. <laughs> you ever you know? do. Right, <laughs> exactly. Right. It's like, like waiting till you're retired to go, to travel to the place you want to go. It's like, it's not the way to do it. Right. No. Like, because when you're retired, you don't want to travel because you're or you do but you have to have all these comforts that you didn't have to have when you were younger you know or you just don't enjoy it as much or you don't have the energy to like really go explore or you know like when you're 22 and you're backpacking in in South America you're just a lot more capable of meeting people and doing things and having fun adventures and really growing and learning than when you're 50 and you haven't done any of that and you're like, oh my God, how do I like talk to people I don't know that don't speak, you know, I don't speak their language. And, you know, it's just, it's that whole thing of like, as you get older and you get more and more into your comfort zone, it's that much harder to get out of it. Yeah. No, it's so, really true. Yeah. You got to do it when you want to do it. Strike yeah. while the iron like, is hot. I think for me, like a lot of it is just the, I mean, with the restaurant stuff, it was necessity. We had no money. Like we had to figure something out. And there was this kind of open opportunity, like, okay, this town doesn't have any good Mexican food and we have access to incredible mezcals. Like, let's try this. We got to do something. So it was necessity. And which also like triggered me to just learn how to build a website, how to market a cookbook, how to, you know, how to do all these things. But also, like, with everything I've done and with, you know, including this move to Scotland, it was like, well, I can either just, you know, make sure I have the most basic things taken care of so I'm not completely screwed and go and figure it out, or I cannot. And when that that staying put is no longer an option, you just go and then you figure it out, you know? Very well said. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's a good way to look at it, right? You just kind of like, you got to take the leap sometimes. Yeah. You know? I, uh, I think, yeah. Scary though. Everyone struggles with it. I struggle with it, you know? Yeah. Like, do you ever wish you'd had a regular life? And regular is the word I wrote down there, but like more explanation is, yeah, just kind of a like nine to five, stay in one place kind of existence. Can I swear on this podcast? Yeah, yeah, I swear. Fuck No. Do I wish I sometimes had like a steady income? Yeah. 
That'd be nice sometimes. I mean, the restaurant was pretty steady, but now mm-hmm. that I'm like kind of dipping out of the restaurant and doing freelance work, I'm like, maybe I should just get a jobby job. But I don't think I, I don't think I'm capable. I don't think I could do it. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's, I think a lot of people thrive in that. And I just like, I don't know. I, I do, I have found that like having routine in my life really helps me as long as there's also quite a bit of variety and it doesn't get too routine. Here, let me ask you these questions. Finish these sentences. I love... Rain. I wish I had... A lot more money. I wish I could... Be more present. What are you most proud of? Mm, This is cliche, but my daughter. That's sweet. She's pretty amazing. Yeah. Maybe you'll meet her one day. I know, I want to meet her. I want to come (laughs) hang out with you in Scotland. Do you feel successful? Hmm. Oh, man. This is a very good question. That's a good question, right? It's so complicated. Yeah. I don't feel successful in the general terms of success, like in our social understanding of success. No, but for yourself, I think is like the question for sure. I feel very successful as a human being. I'm learning. I'm growing. I'm following my intuition. I'm, I think, becoming, again, as cliche as it sounds, a better version of me every day, I hope. (laughs) And for me, that is success. I do still get frustrated that, like, I don't own a house and I don't have really anything for savings. And, you know, I don't have all those normal successful trappings. And that, that stresses me out. But, but if I had to trade that for what I do have, I, I wouldn't. Very well said. Cool. I think that's a good place to end. Cool. Um, it was great talking to you. Have a good night. Nice chatting. Yeah, you too. And there it is, another episode of How We Work. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I learned a ton from Rachel in that conversation. I'm really glad we connected, and I hope you got something out of it too, something you can use in your work, your projects, your art. If you want to share this episode with anybody else or leave us a review, it's always appreciated. And I'll talk to you next week.